Okay, here we go. Um, I would encourage you to make every effort to be here next Sunday for um, uh, Quan and, and uh, Tracy. They are so genuine and um, people. Um, and so he's just preparing his heart and doing me such a great uh, service to fill in and lead worship as well. He's a great worshiper, prayer leader, and um, he always comes with some real good stuff. I hope they bring the fire. So um, they're neat. We're missing their visit, Phyllis and I are, but we're going to have them back because we really enjoyed. They're just great to fellowship with, so um, rich. and So make sure, and then they have their newly adopted teenager they brought. So people that are adopt go right up to my top of the hero list. So they... Um, did this so I have not met him yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Eventually, I will. So I'm going to read more out of Jane Hammond's book, uh, Declarations for Breakthrough, and um, the class is a little beyond this, but um, they, those are so good. And this uh, chapter seven, agreeing with the voice of God, it had some amazing things in it. I love how she develops the words that she gets, the directions she gets. And um, so just let me read it. Uh, she starts out with this uh, verse from Psalms 29, 4. The voice of the Lord is powerful. And so if we are a people that have the wherewithal to comprehend that number one there is a voice of God. He speaks. He is speaking actively, not just historically. That there's a prevailing word for every one of you. If you don't have your word, you know whether you do or not. If you don't, then preoccupy yourself with getting that word. Because that word will be right once you get it. And it can change in your lifetime. It changes different seasons. But there needs to be something current that the Lord's saying to you. Phrase, especially your scripture, very powerful, give you phrases. Once you have that, it'll apply to almost everything that comes at you. You'll be able to just meditate on it, hold it dear to you every time you confess it with your mouth, that you uh, mumble it, that you let it come in you, it will have an effect. And so once you realize that from the moment you wake up, speak that word or give praise or bless the Lord. And your choice to do that, continually practice that uh, and perceive that, it transforms you. It has such a power to it. So she begins to say, people often ask me how to know um, what they should be declaring. It is very easy. Declare the word of the Lord. Declare the scriptures. Declare what he speaks to you through dreams, visions, and angelic visitations, through reading the word, through hearing someone preach the word, through his still, small voice. As we hear the word of the Lord and begin to declare it, we are not only agreeing with the word, but also waging spiritual warfare against any spiritual force trying to keep the word from coming to pass. So I, I, I had uh, uh, confessed or acknowledged that in my early years as a Christian, 
there was, I had no concept of making declarations. None. And your life, things really change when you grasp this. And now instead of just praying for people, I mean, I'm just going to encourage you. Bump that up. Just take one little upgrade on that. And just start speaking. To, just speak. Just release it to you. Someone says, hey, pray. I've got a headache. Th turn and don't say, okay, I'll pray. But like, I just encourage you. Just turn and go, headache, be gone. And uh, I think often we're trying to conjure up prayer or feelings of prayer or have all the nice flowery words. And you need to just kind of get an attitude about the whole thing. I would encourage you to. And just take charge. Take ownership. When... They had, we had the youth thing um, weekend, last weekend, was it? And I came in in the morning last Sunday, and the decorations were on the tree, the banners and things. And I went, aha, the kids, they're taking ownership of the church. Like, that's what I saw. They're, it's becoming theirs. They voted, we will do this annually now. We will meet, have our meeting. There was no fun and games, Cedar Point rides. No, I mean, there was no attraction like that. I think they watched a movie, but they just loved the fellowship, and they didn't hardly need to be entertained. And there was just a really neat time. Tom and Jesse led them, watched over that, and they ate together, and they just played together. And I loved watching it from my house. And they just congregate together, and they become, you know, this unit. And so I'm thrilled about that. But they're, they're beginning, it caused them to start to own it, like, You've got to come to that place. And you've got to come to a place you start owning your life and owning your destiny. And I, I, I don't know, I, I wish I was, could articulate this a little bit better. But much of my time leading this church, I, I needed propped up. Now, that's not a terrible thing because... Uh, in the body, we need each other. We need people that are around us. We all do need that. And especially Phyllis and I, we, we, we watch some of you need to believe for certain things, for healings and for breakthrough and for stuff to get resolved. But I'm telling you, we, we, were really, uh, we really struggled at truly believing that what we were doing was right or that we were... You know, I don't know. I mean, on one hand, we knew we had to be here. I, there's no place else on the planet that I can go. I can't just take my little anointing and go somewhere. Like, this is my spot. You know, I like, I'm William Wallace, and this is my, this is my spot. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be in California. I'm not supposed to be in Alaska. I'm not supposed to be in Brazil. I'm not supposed to be, like, here. I can visit other places, but this is my place. I have to be here, like, this is where I have to be. I felt called even to this area. I remember meeting Phyllis, and it was the first time I knew I'm supposed to be out here. So we moved out here, and um, very shortly after we were married, and this is my land. I adopted, and Phyllis had vision for this, a hope for a New Testament church to be here, for us to be here, and believe for that, and other people believe for that. Through the ministry, we were, we were always getting beat to crap, like anything. I mean, 
We couldn't even handle encouraging words. They were intimidating. We were pitiful, actually. And if it wasn't for people like Diane and Karen and the others around and Chris and Craig, and, uh, people just around us, that, that really was, I don't know how we would have done that without the core group of you that just stood there and believed when we often couldn't. So I couldn't go to a conference without getting depressed. I mean, it was bad, you know, it was really bad. Everything intimidated, everything made me like, if people didn't believe I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, I fell apart, other leaders, et cetera. Somehow, I was trying to relate this a little bit to Kenny this week. We were having a conversation. So somehow, I finally grew out, I came out of that. And I took ownership of something and, and, and it just doesn't matter anymore what somebody else is doing someplace else or what they think of what I'm doing. And now it just doesn't matter. I kind of laugh because, like, I grew but I took ownership of it. Now when stuff comes and assaults, I'm like, I pull out my tools and I pull out my weapons. And I'm like, no, I'm standing, we're fi I'm fighting. I look for the secret and the key. I don't be like, oh. I don't know if God wants us to be here. I mean, you, you got to at some point stop that. And, and don't you love it when your children start taking ownership of your house and your yard and your whatever, you know? I mean, I'm still, you know, all my grandson's stories, you know. He, the township guys were parking all their trucks up in front of their house. They live, you know, just up the road here. And it was the church property, the other church's property, and they parked there, all their trucks and whatever. And uh, since they moved there and they kind of mow all the grass, they're like, this is my place. And he just marched himself right out there to one of the township guys or one of them, you know, said, hey, you can't park here. This is our, our yard, you know. Go, go away. They're still laughing about it. You know, big as life. County, county, yeah, the county guys. They were, yeah, the county and the township. It was a county guy. Yeah, it was even up higher than that. Uh, hey, you, you know, go. Yeah, state. They were all there. No fear. It's my land. And we need to adopt that about our stuff and our calling. And our, you got to get to this place, go, no. And especially the, the, the enemy of your soul, he'll push your buttons in every, as long as you got them. I say, let's get rid of the buttons. Huh? Just have that removed. Lord, I'm sensitive here. Can we just get rid of this thing? It's just, yeah, it's, it's a problem. And so when I stand and I get strong about things, then people stand with me. Like they, you can follow can follow that and and we all need to come to that about our stuff where we stop wondering whether God wants us to do something or not and we go no I'm doing I'm I checked it out I'm supposed to be here there's nowhere else I'm supposed to be there's no other calling I have there's no other person I'm supposed to be married to there's no other there's no other thing this is it and I'm on track and this is my land and you you develop this thing and so spiritually, we need to, we need to come into that. And, she's and when you start making de declarations, like turn your prayers for people to declarations, it's cool. It's not flowery words. It's, it's send a word. And you, you declare, send strength to Joe today. Send, send help to Pam, to Kurt. Like bless them. Give them wisdom today. You know, 
and, and have this sense that you can give it. You can send it. You, you make a declaration that someone, they'll have peace today in what they're doing. That they'll have wisdom about this situation. You know how freeing that is? Someone tells you a problem, worrying about it with them doesn't help them. Can I have at least some nods? Like, do, do you help people when you worry with them? I mean, it's sympathy that leads to empathy pretty soon. Now you're depressed too, just because, you know, like. Better to rise up and speak something that would change the situation. You know, you can do that to your husband and wife instead of being irritated about what they're doing that, you know, is driving you crazy. Just speak peace. Speak, speak what you want to see. I just declare my husband is going to be the most loving man that I meet today. You know, I don't know. You know, see what? Try it. Wake up in the morning and go, my kids are going to be great today. I just declare it. We're going to have peace in the house. They're going to listen. I'm going to know what to do with them when they have problems. Like, Don't really even need to ask somebody else to help to pray. Just take charge. And the father grins at that. He loves that. Like, take ownership of your life and believe. Get this settled. I'm supposed to be here. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. If, you, if you're not, then change up. Do something about it. Don't be a victim. Don't be stuck. Like, you can come to a place and peace in your life where you just don't want to be anywhere else. There's nothing else that's attractive. This is, this is my place. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is where I am. And, and you can change. It's like, that's fine if there's movement and there are things. Then, but do it because you know you're being led to, not because you're a victim. Not because you're stuck. You, you can change what comes to you. Become attractive spiritually. Sow seeds that bear fruit. How about that? Be kind to an unkindness person. In due time, I mean, it works on us the other way. In due time, you'll reap. Be nice to the neighbor that's driving you crazy. Just do it anyways. I think of times when we've reached out to people and like, not a good response. You go, oh, and it, it kind of makes you retreat. Like, uh, oh, I guess I don't want anybody to talk. But in due, just hang in there. Who knows what they're going through or what happened to them or what? Just, just continue. Do the right thing for the right thing's sake. Can you do that? Like, well, that didn't go well, but I did the right thing. I did what I knew to do. I knew I did what it was right to do. So the same with receiving words, and we need to just discern this about what's, what's from the Lord. And um, she was praying one day, had a vision of Jesus handing out white stones. And uh, this is in contrast. This is fun. I'm like, oh, boy, I'm going to talk about white stones. Kurt and Pam brought black stones. And um, 
yeah, in this context, and this shows up in Revelations 2.17, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on a stone, and I stone a new name written which no one knows except him who receives it. So kind of mysterious, kind of weird stuff, white stones, man, you know, that thing. And I remember reading it and go, wow, I don't get this at all. Then I've heard a little bit of teaching on it. She revisits this and I'm like, I just, another layer of understanding and realizing what this is. So this is a mysterious passage of scripture written to a congregation in the city of Pergamum where the seat of Satan was located. So talk about being in a hard place. If your city is the seat of, seat of Satan, and some of you may think that, if it is, it doesn't mean you can't overcome there. You can't become an overcomer if you don't have something to overcome. I, Beep, beep, bulletin, news, flash, you know? Like if you've got hardships, you're in a place where you can become a hard overcomer. If you're in e on easy street and everybody likes you and things are going well, you're not getting any credits towards your overcomer badge. Like, I'm good with everybody. Well, of course you are. They're all good to you. They don't have any problems, you know? But then, uh, that's not true of anybody, honestly. I actually, there's always something, right? So look at it differently. Go, oh, I got something I've got to overcome. Man, I'll tell you, we spend a lot of energy, time, and money to escape the overcoming training and opportunities, right? We go, we make some stupid mistakes. Why? Because we're trying to avoid something that's hard. And then you make enough mistakes, you'll be in something harder, right? Does it work? No, not really. So stop doing all those step aside dodges, dodging the thing, wishing you were somebody else. I don't know. What, it, what is it you do? And face it. Show up. Look it in the eye and go, I'm supposed to be here. I don't know about you, but I'm supposed to be here. And I'm supposed to overcome in this, and I'm going to overcome. Jesus wouldn't have put me here if there wasn't intentions for me to beat this. That's the truth. If you're in a top, between a rock and a hard place, something else needs to break, not you. You need to, to see through that. So it was a city of idolatry, demons, iniquity, but more concerning was the com compromise of righteousness being allowed in the fellowship. Some held the Doctrine of Balaam, which caused people to have no conscience about eating food sacrificed to idols in situations where there were, would be further they'd be further seduced to partake of idolatrous rites and embrace the practice of sexual immorality without consequence. So that was a real thing, real play, temple prostitutes, this whole thing. And it was that this allowance to participate in immorality, and it, it gets all, people get whacked out. Things are messed up. We live in this right now. It's around. Leave sound doctrine. Have a seducing spirit. Get get a hold of you. I've seen some. I've seen some people fall into stuff. I'd be like, no way. They couldn't have. So, except by the grace of God, we can all be deceived. 
that's kind of a, like a 101, like you, real, you need to just realize something. You too can be deceived. You too can be led into something that's bad. So it's by the grace of God that you're kept. And you can trust in that. It's all about turning your heart always to the Lord, asking for grace, protection, forgive, like be proactive about this. It's a dangerous world, especially in the church. This church also harbored those of the Nicolaitan cult, which taught that because Christians were no longer under the law, but under the grace, they could live in any sinful manner they chose. God was very clear that he hated these doctrines and that if they did not repent, he would come and fight against them with the sword of his mouth. The power of our words will cause God to speak words of blessing and favor and fight for us, but he will also confront us with sin and even fight against us with a sword from his own mouth if we fail to align with the truth of his righteousness. Thank God. I'm a son that gets disciplined when I'm out of line. The kid down the street that doesn't get disciplined probably doesn't have a father that's watching over him. That's the bottom line. Oh, mom, dad, I wish I was like them. I could get away with that. It's like they're going to, yeah, that's not a good thing. This is a time of righteousness, purifying, aligning for the overcoming church. Jesus says that those who overcome, he will give the hidden manna, symbolizing a release of provision. Got that? Revelation and life, and give them a white stone with a new name written on it. Years ago, the Lord said to me, the only way you can become an overcomer is that you actually have something that you have to overcome. Got it. Whatever you're currently facing, you are in this time of, of overcoming. Pressing in with faith, not fear. Praying, decreeing, prophesying, and worshiping. That's how we do this. You will overcome by the words of, the, of your mouth. The victory is in your mouth. The miracle you need is in your mouth. Victory is in your mouth. I used to resist this teaching. I've gotten wiser. I got smart. It does matter what I declare over myself. It does matter how I talk. In the first century, people understood that a white stone was a symbol of favor, overcoming against the odds. In a trial, the jury members would cast their votes. Now, we're like real, real voting uh, aware right now, right? Voting. How, how do we have a, a, a legal, uh, ethical uh, election? Good question. I, I think there's a plan, but right now it's like, <laughs> so we're real triggered in, dialed into that right now. In a trial, jury members would cast their votes by dropping into a box either a white stone for acquittal or a black stone for punishment. So, sorry, Pammy, that's like, your black stones are like. But it meant, I'm like, oh, it's interesting. When elections were held in a city, people would cast their votes by dropping in a white stone for yes and a black stone for no. In athletic games, the winner of a contest was given a white stone identifying the bearer as a champion or overcomer. The white stone acted as a ticket or a pass, giving that athlete access to the places of honor and events and position in society. From that time forward, that citizen was no longer an ordinary citizen, 
but rather a super citizen with celebrity status. Now, you compare that with this passage out of Revelation, the Lord saying, I'm going to give you a white stone. It's a stone of favor. It's a, it's a, it's an, it's an award. It's a gold medal. It's a, it's an honor. It's something that the Lord gives you that raises you up. And that's your destiny to be a super citizen, to have favor, to have access that you can use. We talked about this earlier a week or two ago, uh, several weeks back, that you can be careful how you spend your favor. Remember that? You get favor, now, now be careful how you spend it. Mordecai told Esther, yes, yeah. You're, you have a privileged position. You can either use it to save your people, but if you don't use it, you and your people will be destroyed. So she had a big decision to make. She chose wisely. And she spent her favor. She spent what she had, the favor she got from the king, to make an appeal for her people and save their lives. And they're the enemy of those people that was that met Haman, who meant to kill them and destroy them, deceiving the king himself, he himself was hung on those gallows. So it turned around what the enemy meant for evil. God worked it out to be good. Jesus was prophesying to the church of Pergamon then and to us today saying, I have acquitted you, your sin. I, um, I have acquitted you of your sin. I have cast my vote for your success. And no matter what you face, you can overcome. And 1 John 5, 4 and 5, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So this is solid scriptural principle that I'm talking about. Solid. You are intent. You are supposed to be an overcomer. That's your destiny. Yes, you are. Stop practicing your testimony about why you're not. Like, have you ever gotten convicted about that? Like, be careful what... What testimony I'm telling? We start complaining about our life. We're always, you know, we're getting into that. It's like, are you giving a testimony of the bad that's going on in your life? Are you telling stories that in conclusion, God's not working things out for you? Like, I became aware of that. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm always building some story. What story am I building? What what story am I telling? I mean, my, one of my roles, one of my desires in this life is to make God famous. And that's not by telling my story. It's about telling his story. It's about telling of his goodness and his greatness and his faithfulness to me. That's telling his story. That's developing and building a testimony. If we're not careful, we become so focused on the problems and the difficulties. And we're, we tell, you're, it's a testimony. It has power. And you had a bad testimony, a negative one, you're going to cause hopelessness in the people around you. You will. I mean, it's the truth. Be, beware. Be careful. We affect each other. And, and, a, and a word, one little word of wisdom to somebody, even if you don't see a reaction at the moment, you'd be amazed at what will turn someone's decision if you just speak this one soft word, but it's wisdom. This one thing, just, just 
yeah. Those things affect me. And so, someone that is a friend of mine, we were having a conversation of something, and, and uh, I spoke one thing, not intending to correct or anything, just spoke something, and it clicked with him, and he changed what he was doing that had a great effect. And he came back and, and, and thanked me, like, you know, it was so neat. We were having that conversation, and you just spoke that, and I'm like, yeah. And it, and it was like a really neat thing. It was a thing that blessed people. That one little, not intentional it just was in our conversation. I spoke something that, that brought a, a, better, a better result. That I wasn't even trying. Same with you. Like you carry that, and if we'll release that, it affects a lot of things around us. I, I'm not going to have time with this. Doggone. And that's fine. Um, but let me refer to what, what is coming. And it has to do, it's in Second. Chronicles 32, verse 7. And um, how, do I, how do I summarize this? It's, it's, so, it's so powerful. Um, Hezekiah was a great king of Israel. They were being attacked by, I believe, the Assyrians. If I get the details wrong, forgive me. And the king of Assyria in this story sends an emissary, a representative of his, and Jane Hammond is, is uh, she gets this word, a dream, I think, and this, uh, this name comes up to her, and she's like, yeah, it's R-A-B, it's like Rab, Rab Sheka, Sheka, Rab Sheka, I can't pronounce it, I'm not sure, R-A, B-S-H-A-K-E-H. She's like, she wakes up, is like, is that the name of a reggae band or something? You know, like, what, what? I don't even know what that is, you know. And then she finds it in Scripture, and she has these passages. It shows up in 2 Kings 18, Isaiah 36, 2 Chronicles 32, and it's all the same story. And it wasn't actually somebody's name, but it was, it was the role, like a governor, like an emissary. It was a, he, he, this person was sent from uh, the king of Assyria, what was his name? Um, who, was, who was the king of Assyria? Phyllis, do you remember what this is? Pardon? No, what did you say? Yes, 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 yeah, that, yeah, another name I can't pronounce well, so. So it was sent from him, his role, what he did was come, Hezekiah had made this declaration of what they were going to do, um, I'm not doing this justice, I'm sorry. Here's what Hezekiah says, in 2 Chronicles 32, 7 through 8, be strong and courageous, he declares this to his people. Be strong and gracious. Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria nor for all the multitude that is with him for they there be more with us than with him. So he's making great declaration. Don't be afraid. There's more with us than that are with him because it was a big show of how many people I have. 
With him in an arm is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. And then came this, route, this emissary. And his job was to taunt them and laugh at them about what they were trusting in. You guys, what are you trusting in? And he comes and presents himself and he speak, speaks that as a declaration over Israel. Very intimidate over, over them. Very intimidating. And, and the point is this. That, and she, she gets this thing like, this spirit, this thing comes for God's reformers. It comes to intimidate you about the work that you're called to. And the deliverance you're called to. And his words, if you read it, you're like, it would be scary to have someone come, get in your face, stand at the edge of the city, and declare this over you. Like, you're, you're horse meat. Like, you're done. And you think you're trusting in this? You're like, you people can't save yourself from anything. And Hezekiah just made this declaration. It's not about our strength. It's about God being with us. That's, that's what will save us. And in the end, God totally delivered them from this enemy. I mean, wiped them out. Angels show up. I mean, the whole nine yards. But how often when we have a word and we have a promise, does it not get attacked? And it throws us off. We're like, what's this? And the words come and they, they steal that. They, their intention, their design is a steal from you. To believe it's not going to happen. To believe you're going down. To believe you're going to lose in the, in the battle that you're in. And, and the, the words and the, the masquerading and the, the te technique, it's designed. It's very good. It's a good design. And we have to learn to just trust and to stand and to fight that thing off. And everybody that has, and I'm going to include all of you, you all have a destiny to, to fulfill and a place that you're supposed to be. And this voice will come to get you to concede, to give in, to stop fighting for that thing that you know you're called, that you feel you're called to do. And when that voice is going on, it feels like you're all alone, like you can't hear, like, wow, you're lo you lost all the hope you had yesterday. It just kind of sucks it up in a vacuum. <laughs> you know that feeling? I mean, you've been there, haven't you? Yesterday, you're feeling great. Today, somebody just sucked the air out of the room, like, and, and your heart's trembling and you're embarrassed to even acknowledge, like, wow. Jane herself, personally, after she gets this revelation and realizes what this is, she goes through a terrible time. She starts getting sick. She has all these issues. And so she calls the, the, her, the other leaders around her to start praying for her. And then she starts encountering all these pastors and all these leaders, because it's a big, it's CI, Christian International. And she goes, some of them were intimidated by this thing to the point of suicide. It was a, it's a big, it was a big deal. Like everywhere she went, she finds people that, were, that are just struggling to still believe what their calling is and that they, they need to fulfill something. And they just start again. They said, not on my watch. Yeah? You go, No. You've got to get to that place. Stop laying down and let it run you over and running to the refrigerator and eating more ice cream, you know? 
or watching more television. It's like, I got to check out. Like, this is too much. We've got to stop doing that. We have all kinds of things that numb the way we cope with stuff. It's, a lot of it's not fruitful. And instead, you go, no, I'm standing up. I'm pressing in. This, this isn't true. I, I can identify. This is not true. And I'm declaring you stop sitting back and you come up and you go, bring it on. I'm fighting for this. I'm standing for this. I have favor. The Lord gave me a white stone. You carry your white stone of favor. You are celebrity status now. You start walking around and walk into a store and believe that, that there's, you've got favor. It's not about feeling better than other people. It's about God's with me. And watch what happens. It's just like a whole, you know, change. It's a paradigm shift. And you come to your household. You come to the people in your life. You start declaring good things over them. Watch them grow into it. That's, that's, that's a new thought. Watch your children grow into their destiny because you declare good things about them. I've heard, wow, you know, you know how people talk sometimes about their kids, especially when they're first frustrated. They could be adult kids. Who's going to make a declaration for them of what their, what their destiny is rather than how they're looking at the moment? I mean, anybody can do that. Anybody can walk them and go, this is a mess. <laughs> That's bad. You know, it doesn't take a rocket science. Any dummy can tear something down, you know? But who has the technique, who has the skill set spiritually to build something up? To declare that something's good that doesn't look good at the moment. To say, nope, it's going to be fruitful. Your children are going to find their way. God's amazing. You, you make that declaration and stand back and watch him. Not by your strength, not by your might, by his spirit, says the Lord. And he's doing things, that, and angels, like, I just got a book by Charles Capsum about angels. I have, I've just started to read it. There's the, the, the concept is, I mean, the teaching is, the reality of the word was, we've got angels sitting around with nothing to do because they need to respond to the word of the Lord. And we're not keeping them busy enough. I'm like, well, <laughs> we can't have that. And they're activated by you making these declarations. We don't command them, but they're looking for the word of the Lord to fulfill. That's, that's what they were designed to do. They hear that, bam, phew, I'm gone. Otherwise, like, there can't be anything worse than a bored angel, huh? Don't we all agree? There's stuff to do. There's people to save. There are miracles to work. Let's, let's have it. Let's bring it. We have access to the supernatural. Just have to get outside of your little turtle shell and believe it. You know, it's like, you know, the turtle. Isn't it adorable? That little flap, they stick and pull their head back in and bleep. You know, Jeannie has turtles that lay eggs. Are they still doing that at your house? Yes. Did you say yes? Yeah. Yeah. Come from the fly. Come and she starts watching them. I mean, not many of us. I've never seen that before. She get count. They make their way. They dig their little nest, lay their eggs, and pretty soon, you know, eventually at the right time, the right season. Yeah. 
Stop being a turtle. Stop pulling yourself in of putting your flap up. Come out, stand up on your back legs, you know, like a good cartoon turtle would, and, you know, get a ninja sword and, yeah. Weren't there ninja turtles? Yeah, of course. Or maybe they had something there, huh? So grab a hold. I don't want to belabor this, but wow, there's a spirit that is sent. It's all, no authority, no power, just to declare and decree doubt over you. Oh, boy. When I read I'm like, wow, is that a real thing? Is that a real thing or what? Yeah, it is. So let's pray. Father, give us discernment about the spirit that would discourage us. When we're doing what we're, we're, we're supposed to be, we're doing, we're walking in your will, and then this thing comes that just rips the hope right out of us and, and causes us to doubt, causes us to run, causes us to hide, causes us to stop moving forward. And Father, in Jesus' name, we've had so many neat things happen today in our meeting, and I add this one thing, I add this last thing, Father, that we speak out against this, any spirit that would, is, its divine design is to discourage us and dishearten us. And we just release the hope. I just declare that we will be overcomers. Our destiny is to be an overcomer. And so we need to put our overcoming outfits on and get our capes and our swords and stand up into our calling and what we're to be. So give us the, the heart to fight for what you've given us, to be amazing, to be overcomers, because to him who overcomes, you have given great promise. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. His name was power, and his name was life, and in that song is said, over every enemy. There's not just one, there's many enemies, and, uh, and his name was life over each one of them. He has defeated death, and he is our deliverer. <clears throat> so in a couple weeks, we're gonna celebrate this festival of trumpets and in, in preparation I was looking back at the other feasts I wanted to see what they had in common and it comes down to sacrifice and deliverance in some way each of the feasts comes down to sacrifice and deliverance The feast we most commonly refer to in communion, of course, is Passover. And in that, the Jews were delivered from enslavement and from death. And we're delivered from the same things by our Savior Jesus, the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, who is our deliverer. So when you take communion today, I want you to focus on that deliverance. Think about deliverance. And if you don't know what you need delivered from, think about any weapon that might be formed against you. 
in Isaiah 54, 17, the Lord says, it is our inheritance that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Amen. So we talk about sickness. We talk about addictions. We talk about the dark thoughts that sometimes enter our mind. We talk about sin, broken relationships. These are the weapons that are pointed at you. And when you think about that and what you might need delivered from, think about the weapons the Lord wants you to pick up. As, as, as our deliverer, we're gonna take the cup and we're gonna take the bread this morning as our weapons. And not one of those things pointed at us will prosper, amen? Jesus is our savior and his sacrifice is what paid for our deliverance for all these things all in these songs these things we 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 sing about the anxiety the depression we just sang about he is our deliverer and you have a chance now to come and take communion and be face to face with your deliverer amen